We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Most valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Nice jumper. Got it. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep Podcast Network. Post game one of the NBA Finals. The Bucks are still in those... They're now down 1-0 in those after losing 118-105 to the Phoenix Suns in Game 1. I am Ty Windish of the Eurostep. I am joined, as always, by my young co-host on the Eurostep podcast, Rohan Kadi, and both hosts of the Win in Six podcast, Adam McGee and Jordan Tresky. Fellas, how's it going? Okay, I want to preface this by saying, <laughs> uh, if anyone thinks that I'm an idiot for not knowing who Mark Marin is, tweet me. I think I think you're gonna get some tweets. This is you know let's we've not, had we've had some not, back and we, forth. We got side chat. People think we probably we probably come in, get ready to podcast, we talk about the game. Sometimes game one of the finals, it turns out no, that's not how we prepare. Speaking but of I'm Mark Marin, Bucks yeah. fans have to be asking WTF after that game one loss. You know what I mean? Yes, Jordan. Uh, I have no idea what that means. Jordan just got us back on track with a cultural reference, which never happens. It's usually the opposite. <laughs> so, yeah, they lost. Um, they lost. I, I think for me, it was more of a frustrating, frustrating than a disheartening loss. I thought... I mean, the Bucs were in it until, what, maybe three minutes left was the last Phoenix run that really put it away. Um, Single-digit lead for the Suns late in the fourth quarter. Uh, and then a Bryn Forbes pull-up one-legged two-pointer contested may have happened. We're going to talk about Forbes. Um, but a couple other things happened too. But this was like... That would be more disheartening, I think, if we all agreed the Bucks played really well for... 45 whatever 42 minutes and then that happens and they lose i didn't think they played all that well this game but the, the opening was strong i thought there was some good moments i think i mean the headline for a lot of people outside of you know folks who haven't paid attention to the bucks all playoffs saying that their playoff run is over listen the way they lost game two against brooklyn this playoff run is far from over and this was a much less disheartening loss than maybe probably any loss in the entire Brooklyn series, quite honestly. 
or maybe any loss in the Atlanta series too. But, um, but yeah, it's just the Bucks didn't play all that well. I didn't think they executed very crisply. They looked like the more tired team, which they were, and they lost. And I mean, Phoenix defended home court for one of the two first games, which is fine. So, uh, Adam, I'll throw it to you first. You know, what were your overall takes on the game? My overall takes is I feel like I have a list of like positives and I'm not trying to go out of my way to be that guy. I generally don't feel like I end up being that guy. Uh, that we, As a whole, we've, we've had quite a few losses in, you know, this playoff run. This feels different. It feels different. Now, one part of that is the Suns are good. <laughs> the Suns are really good. And you've got to tip your hat to how good Chris Paul was, for example. Uh, Chris Paul in particular. I mean, I think the books did a pretty good job on Devin Booker. And if he wasn't bailed out on quite as many calls as he was, I expected Chris Paul to get the whistle. It was actually Booker who got the, the friendliest of the, the Suns whistle. But I, I just think there's a lot there the books can work on. And the flip side of that is, I don't know. I felt like I was like on some sort of trip or something in the third quarter because all of that was so bad. And then yet, even now you look at the box score and you're like, they were outscored by eight points in the third quarter. But that that was really, you know, they started the third quarter flat after, I think, a good first half. A first half where if they hadn't missed every shot from inside three feet, they would have been like five or six points ahead going into the break. And they came out, they started a little slow, and they really looked like, you know, a boxer who just gets stunned and and spends like a couple of rounds on the ropes, a couple of rounds just looking for the clinch, trying to hang on. That's really what it was, except it was like looking for the clinch and nearly falling over onto their face. Like uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of stuff to get into on the defense, obviously on both switching and dropping because they did both, which I think again is actually a good thing. You know, even though we saw some really bad moments with both, I I do think there was an element of fluidity. There was clear adjustments. They got back into the game to, to have like a half chance laid on because they went Giannis at the five and because they really kind of, you know, they might have they might have adjusted a little too much, a little too soon. I think that's something we've talked about again before. They might have overdone it, but... I think there's a lot good there. The third quarter was a nightmare, and I think that will come into a lot of stuff. Like, this is a genuine question. In the third quarter, you know that spell where Bobby was just getting torched on switches? How long was that? Because it just felt like it was going on forever for me. It was, it was just maybe the way it was falling apart in that third quarter, but all of that just felt like it was going on for so long. I was like, please, please take us out of this. And yet they just kind of hung around. And this is part of what we've all talked about coming into the series and about this book's playoff run and about who they can be and what it can mean by the time this series comes to an end. They do stick around. They give themselves chances. They could have been a lot more kind of sharp, tidier, more clinical with countless opportunities. And this game would have been there to win. They didn't have that. They were still close, but... It's game one. It's game one. We are uh, very well practiced at seeing this team lose game ones. And I think there there is a lot they can take and learn from and move on to game two in a better place. Uh, yeah, for me, 
where they lost the game was going down by 18 in the third quarter. I thought the third quarter was an absolute nightmare, like Adam said. Like, it looks better now because they kind of – salvage is not the right word, but they made it look more respectable than it was. But mm-hmm. because it came after the first half of, you know, living with switching on to CP3, Devin Booker getting the free throw line as much as he did, and then Bud and the staff capitulating back to drop coverage. Thought that was not the right move. And, I mean, I don't think we saw Brooke after that point. Don't think that's the right, right? move either. I don't think – there's – this is where it gets like – because I tried to keep off Twitter as much as I could during the game and just kind of take it in for what it is. And I was kind of confused by, like, how much – focus was on the Bucks defense being the problem in the first half and, you know, the switching, all that stuff, which has been <laughs> what everybody has been asking for, for out of bud for the last three years, you know, ironically, but like to your point, Adam, they missed point blank, point blank chances at the rim. I think there are eight or 16 at the rim during the first half. That's, mm-hmm. that's not Bucks like at all. Um, Drew holiday was, not aggressive at all. I thought, I mean, clearly the worst performance out of any Bucks performance of the big three big players at all. <laughs> um, I just thought I, I, I thought the, the start of the third was just kind of where they 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 kind of try to overcorrect where things started to kind of lose the plot at the end of the first half, and that the last two minutes of that half was just like, what the hell is going on here? Um, yeah, I think I felt like they tried to overcorrect that, and in the process, they kind of lost the rope, and then they go back to playing really small and switching and all that stuff. And at that point, it was too little, too late. It it was a feel out game. Realistically, this was a yeah. feel out game, and that's what we've seen the last couple of series from Milwaukee. You can, even every single series this postseason, realistically, like they've lost the last three now, and uh, even the first one, it was a. Over, was that an overtime game? Oh, well, it was overtime. Yeah. yeah. Ages ago. But we've seen this consistently throughout the Milwaukee Bucks this postseason. Given, I'm not saying it's a good trend, but like, we've seen them take game one as sort of like an, okay, how far can we push? How far can we push until it sort of breaks? Now you don't want to go till the breaking point, right? <laughs> That's not really advised. That's been happening. But... If you want to remain positive, you can say that they learn from these game ones and say, oh, this is what we can do. This is what we can't do. It's sort of like the Ty Lue adjustments. And Ty Lue takes it to a whole nother level by going down 0-2 in the postseason every single series. But then they always claw their way back. Now, I'm not comparing Ty Lue to Mike Budenholzer. Ty Lue is one of the greatest just adjustment coaches ever, ever. Just absolutely incredible for performances from his teams. But it's that same sort of approach. You're getting to know your opponent because this isn't like they lost game one. Sure, the series isn't over. It's still a seven-game series. You have to treat it like one. And it seemed like that's what Milwaukee was doing. Again, not the best way to really approach this if you're pushing it towards the brink every single game one. But usually it's led itself to decent results. Uh, Drew Holiday... Three shots within the circle uh, on offense, which is not enough considering how good he is there. Also, it's not very good that he was one for three on those looks. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he also attempted five. Pay tribute shots. to Milwaukee with a four or fourteen, like yeah. from the field. <laughs> um, he attempted five. Other Is that shots. the second time he's done that? I think so because I feel I like I've you. made that joke before. Feels like the four hundred and fourteenth time he's done that. Um, I was I was wearing my four one four hoodie on the live show earlier, and I wasn't trying to encourage <laughs> Drew Holiday to go and do that. The shooty line. Yeah. Did everyone change after that? Did we all? Are we all that superstitious? Oh, jo- Jordan didn't. No, I'm going to burn this shirt after this game, right away. One, I, I've realized when I started talking about um, Phoenix, can, people thinking Phoenix was going to control the series and everything else. I would say that was one of the two storylines I think people are going to focus on. The other one, and the guy we should talk about before the end of the podcast. Giannis looked really mm-hmm. good, all things considered. Giannis, I thought, looked spectacular. It wasn't his typical kind of production, but given first game back from the hyperextended knee, I think at one point he kind of came up and looked like slightly hobbled for like two seconds and then kind of just I think, it was, over it. I think it was a That's bit more than two a, seconds. So. And then he I, hit a catch-and-shoot three. He That's did hit a catch-and-shoot three, <laughs> but I, I don't think he was quite as good. I'm not, I don't have a problem with this under the circumstances. In the second half, I don't think he was quite as aggressive. It was it was late, mid to late in the fourth quarter before we really started seeing him start driving again. So I think there was a bit of quarters kind of worked where after jamming on it in the third quarter, he was a little little tentative, but that's okay under the circumstances. Like yeah. the most important thing to begin with with Giannis, he was a plus one in 35 minutes. The Bucs won the game when Giannis was on the floor. <laughs> so if you can play him a little bit more, if he continues to improve, you're in a much better spot than you are to begin with. And I mean, you don't have to look around at some of the things they had to go to when he was resting and when he had to sit more often than he usually would to see just how this got wrong so fast. But that's one of, I mean, the very obvious things. You know, 35 minutes, that was right where we talked on, on the pregame you, earlier. You nailed it. I, I thought um, closer to 30. I was going to give collective credit. I'm no, no, I'm no. humble. I know that's not your style, but nope. thank you, Ty. I'll take it now. And I think in playing those kind of minutes, winning, winning the game when he's out there, you know, that's more than I could have hoped for given, given where we were a week ago. And just how good he looked. The fact that their first design play was an alley-oop, <laughs> like, you're just like, yeah, go up there and get it, you know? It's insane. Completely and utterly insane. I think it shows and then, how the Bucks are feeling about him. Sure. Yeah. And then the block, you know? So that's uh, obviously, if, if he'd come out and he'd look terrible, or if he'd got hurt and had to leave the game, this is a depressing podcast, and I'm not oh. finding too many positives. But I think with that being positive, number one, you can then find a lot of other good stuff. Yeah, just I want to follow up quickly. I know, Rohan, you've got something, but I said not his typical production. Still, 20 points on 6 for 11 shooting, 17 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, 1 block for Giannis. Also 5 fouls in his 35 minutes. And that 7 to 12 at the line is worth mentioning because he was getting those shots off at 9 seconds on the fans count, and he was looking pretty good by the end of the game. He was. Uh, also, just to mention, uh, Drew Holiday shot 4-14 from the field, game three against Brooklyn. So it uh, did happen before. <laughs> at least I won yeah. that one. I, I wasn't going to say it. 
Uh, you did that. But yes, on to Giannis. Adam, you mentioning that uh, design play at the start. When I saw that happen, I was like, that takes some cojones. <laughs> like, are you, are you kidding me? One was like, <laughs> had a sugar rush from the cookies when he drew that one up. He was like, oh boy, I got Giannis back. Let me just go out there and do this. It's like, maybe, maybe don't put, you know what, whatever. Um, it, nothing bad happened on that play. But wow, that is some Sam Cassell esque cojones right there <laughs> to make that play. But yeah, Giannis, Giannis looked way better than I thought he could look in this game. I mean, like, considering we've talked about it, oh, me. Previous times when he's come back from injuries, he's looked fine. He's looked okay. Like he dropped 49 against the Blazers after like tweaking his knee in warmups. There's something 47, 49. I can't remember. Remember exactly. But he just puts up dominant performances. And this was a game where he controlled it more than I've ever seen him control a playoff game, especially in that first half. He was methodical on his possessions, his offensive possessions. You could see with those driving dunks on Jay Crowder and DeAndre Ayton, like he was getting to the spots he wanted to get to. He was making the right dump off passes when they showed help. He was just making the right reads. He wasn't getting extremely over aggressive in terms of just charging into the lane because he has to be mindful of his injury. And like he's just seemed more concerned about where exactly he's going on his drives. And I think it worked out to his benefit in terms of controlling the pace and tempo of the game for his team, which is why he won, like they won his minutes because he was controlling the pace of a game, which Chris Paul played it. Like that's incredible, incredible to see. And it makes me feel a little optimistic. I can't help but feel optimistic considering, yeah, Giannis went down with a, what looked to be a catastrophic knee injury, you know, uh, a week ago. <laughs> and I think the kind of, we talked about the minutes restrictions on the pregame show and stuff like that. And like, what would he look like and just how explosive he was? I mean, the strength that he showed against freaking DeAndre Aiden, just pushing him off, got caught in it with Crowder a little bit later, but like, the explosiveness was there. The the stuff that we you generally just want to see, all that was there. The stuff that we probably anticipated and feared was also there. Like defensively, he's a bit of a train wreck, if we're being honest. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. lost definitely was ball watching more than a couple times. That a couple Michael Bridges, I keep that Michael. You did Bridges, it again. Yeah, there we go. Michael Bridges threes. Um were a result of Giannis like watching the ball. He wasn't um, alone though. I mean, no, I, no, no, no. He was not alone. I will give, make that true. I mean, that that's was... that's the killer that and Brooke ultimately got punished for this. I think Brooke got punished yeah. for other guys ball watching when he was on the floor and doing his damnedest and doing a pretty good job. <laughs> when contesting. he's like literally, you could see him. There was where was it was either he was like on the free throw line. Or he got called for a foul and waiting at, by the free throw line on like a free throw, and you could just see him like breathe, like mouth the words "breathe." Like he was like charged up, yeah, more than I've ever seen Brooke Lopez over the last three years, and he was sick, like he was definitely like thought of as like the problem, and it's like no, like he's doing everything he can to like hold things together. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, not to veer too far off into this just before we probably finish up on any Yanis thoughts, but you could see Yanis did it, but Drew was definitely most guilty of it. Just constantly being like, I have to watch, I have to watch Brooke. I have to watch Brooke when he's defending on ball. I have to be ready to go and help. When in reality, no, you don't need to help. If Chris Paul is going to make a tough mid-range shot with Brooke Lopez draped all over him, tip your hat. It's not going to hurt you as much as collapsing, as overhelping, and then having the open shot in the corner. And there were the two types that I drew was twice guilty of overhelping and leaving man uh, Chris Paul think, in the first half. I think both were Chris Paul. The Chris Paul was a Chris Paul second first half was was like, so bad. It was textbook terrible help defense that has killed the Bucks in the playoffs before. Like. Literally the one guy that the easiest possible pass for Booker, you're not helping aggressively or effectively enough to interrupt the pass. So like you're just kind of leaving CP3 to come over like you're going to help. You have to be there already if you're going to do that or just don't do it. I would prefer if you just didn't do it. They just don't need to do it. You're no. right, though. If you're going to do it, have the space closed already. You know, yeah, don't, don't make the pass like, easy, you yeah. know. <laughs> It's it's got to basically turn into a double team on them. You've you've got to feel that kind of intensity of pressure. It can't be your half there. You're just in a no man's land, which is really gotta, what happens. It's got to be a game plan thing too, because then if you're gonna do it, I think you should just pre rotate back over to CP3. And if you leave a Crowder, even a Bridges, certainly a Craig, open for a split second longer, 
you'd rather recover to that guy than Chris Paul. Like Chris yeah. Paul is way too good of a shooter. So, and I don't think it is a game plan thing. I just think Drew has always done this as a buck. Like he's not, a, he's not a, as good of a off ball defender no, as he is. He just he's gets too antsy. He wants to be back on the ball. He's terrific on ball, of course. But the Suns are running him through two screens every possession, getting him off the ball, and then that's where you can exploit him defensively. And I think, you know, it, I get that it's hard. I get that you want to be in on the play, but. That just made it so much easier for Phoenix to score. I agree. I didn't think Lopez was that bad switching in the first half. I thought there were issues. I thought one thing that we've talked about in previous series, the Bucks needed to just switch up the looks a little more, spice up what Phoenix is getting. I think some help is okay. just needs to be much smarter than that. I mean, one pass away on Chris Paul is just stupid. There's no other word. It's stupid. You cannot do that in a playoff series. But again, like, have Giannis, if you want, if Giannis is going to ball watch anyway, come over off Bridges. And again, someone recover on Mikhail Bridges. He shot well this game. You kind of live with it. Like Crowder was terrible. Help off Crowder at all times. Oh. Like the Bucks could have done so much better help. Uh, Adam called out on the pregame show. Also, we keep well, the pregame I called show. it without, without calling it at all. <laughs> Is what I did because I, I didn't want to risk the Jake. Happy birthday, Jake Crowder. There's three is up for grabs. <laughs> I had that joke lined up too. Um, we keep mentioning the pregame show. We went live before the game on YouTube of the Eurostep Podcast Network YouTube channel. We all tweeted it out a thousand times. So if you want to dig way back and find it, otherwise, uh, throw it in the description for this podcast too. But we're going to be doing more stuff on YouTube, live pods, and other content. So check out the YouTube uh, if you haven't already. But yeah, we did we, a pregame we show. Did have some technical difficulties at yeah. the end, just that people are like, "Why is this ended suddenly?" Yeah, but sudden, we'll like the Bucks. Minutes. We we only played forty minutes in a forty-eight minute. <laughs> <laughs> we might have been the thirty-five minute Giannis kind of <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. camp, but yeah, it, it it's definitely something that I think we all have fun. So we, yeah. we'll look to do it again. And the more people involved, the better. The one thing while we're still on Giannis, and we're also on the defense, on the ball watching, it is the Mikhail Bridges tree just before <laughs> halftime. Like, what is his name? What is his Mikhail? He was he was being called Mikhail on the broadcast, They're and maybe wrong. I shouldn't take my Mike Breen called him Mikhail, and I was like, That's Mike Breen, Mike Breen is going to go from like the name guide. I should call him Mike Breen, Mike. It's just, it's not Michael. No, I know that. I had always previously called him Mikhail. Yeah. Mitch he was Mikhail. Mikhail. He was the Mikhail. The cheat sheet, the cheat sheet is some fans right. for years have been calling him Mikhail Jail or when he guards someone. And that's always oh, how okay. I remembered okay. it. It's very simple. Mikhail uh, Jail. So unless we're, they're all wrong. Let's go with Mikhail, which is possible. I mean, that was like the time when Tom came Mikhail out Green. and his name was pronounced. And we were all like, Tom McCurr? Really? He's been here two years. We haven't heard it. And Different we conversation. Just, we were just like, actually, no, which is kind of messed up in retrospect. But he was also like, call me maker. It's fine. Yeah, he was. We're we're getting back into something that, yeah. you know, we've been over. Yeah. That's the possession, though, for me, is that's the one where when you put that together with Drew's overhelping in both halves, you can see just the other books being overly twitchy and overly conscious of every time Brook is being switched. It's like, trust the guy. He has proven his defense is up to it. He is not going to stop them every time, but you don't have to. As a team, you've got to understand that and figure out you know, where you're winning this game because it's not on like shutting Chris Paul and Devin Booker down that they've got 15 points combined. It's just not happening. 
And you don't need it to happen. You look at the rest of the Suns and you look at how everything played out. I mean, even something Dario Saric got injured two minutes into this game and talked about that that could be a big deal. Like yeah. DeAndre Ayton had 19 rebounds in this game, which is very impressive. The Suns already had 43. Like they don't have anyone who can grab rebounds. And if the books could have finished any of the tip in attempts, different game. But as for as for Giannis, like a lot good there. The ball watching, let's not pretend that oh Giannis just had a weird night where he's ball watching. This is something that he does. It's something he does off ball. But I, I do think there was something very noticeable about everyone was jumpy when Brooke was on ball against those guys. Where it's just a conversation I need to have where it's like if Chris Paul makes a mid-range shot, if Devin Booker, and also that's crucial because they weren't looking to take pull-up trees, and that isn't what they do. So don't give up a wide-open corner tree when all they're looking for is the two every time. If they want to take Brook for two, let them take Brook for two. It's it's ironic because if any, like that's ultimately what the drop covers. It's the does. whole principle the that has been two like, years. Yeah, and, you have to live with and, some ugly makes. Yeah, but and I mean, Drew Holiday sings the praises of Brook Lopez. I mean, he's talked glowingly about Brook's defense and just why it's so you know underappreciated generally but like that's where it gets to me of like it's not a game plan issue with the bucks coaching staff or anything like that it, you could just see drew holiday execution was bad execu- yeah exactly execution was just bad there's no ways about it though the last two minutes of the first half as i said before the last two minutes of the first half and then the third quarter like the third quarter, but to close that loop too brooke did not play after being pulled from that point on so neither did Bobby, and that's the other thing. Finish. I think yeah. Brooke got punished for his teammates overhelping or ball watching, and he got punished for that spell that was really rough for Bobby. Because at that point, it was just like, yeah, yeah, we're we're going small. We're going Giannis at the five as much as we can. Like that was the tipping point, which I understand, and it did work. It got them back into the game, but <laughs> Brooke was playing really well offensively, even with some misses. So like shots Bobby gave up too. Even I know he, he wasn't. Fantastic, but like one of the ones, and it was like right after the this, Devin Booker one. No, I think it was CP who hit one on him, where it was like this this ridiculous step back. I think it was a long two over his outstretched arms, and he doesn't close aggressively enough to give up the foul. But I thought it was a good close. And JVG, to hit, I thought uh, Van Gundy called a really good game, but he was like, I that, agree. that was that was a yeah. good cover. He does just you, great, great shot making wins, and I agreed. And right after this, I see this slew of tweets like, "Oh, Bobby can't play out there. Bobby this, Bobby that." And I'm like, maybe there's something to that. But after that play, I mean, like, what do you want to like? Who the, it's just the cumulative effect, really, is where like the tweets come from, and where it just gets too much to bear, I guess, for Bud because he pulled him, and he really just the whole strategy pivoted away from it. For me, there was a Booker. There's a Booker play where. It was literally like 15 seconds of him on Booker and Booker was just pulling it out and he was just trying to find space and Bobby stuck to him and stuck to him and stayed in front of him. And the whole time I was like, yes, Bobby, this is this is great. This is a perfect possession. And then Booker makes the shot over him with like two seconds left. Yeah. And it's like, and well, it's it's what what can you do about that? Now, it's when it happens multiple times and then you throw in a couple that actually are sloppy then I think people start to second guess the ones before. And that's that's what happened. I think generally this is not new territory for us. They can't just be like, no, it doesn't work. 
can't play Bobby and Brooke. <laughs> You've got to play Bobby what's, and Brooke. What's the middle? There's what's the middle ground that they are going to hit? You know what I mean? Because because now, like, if we're taking a reaction from a game like this, are we going to say, oh, they're going to have to play Bryn Forbes Bryn thirty minutes? Forbes. Like, what? That's not the that's not the answer. Like, there's or even having more Jeff Teague or Thanasis get some like. They can't play too small. They can't play too big. I can't believe Teague and Forbes have the exact same problem on offense at this point. It's so weird to me. I, I'm not. I'm not standing for this. Neither should be allowed to dribble. <laughs> I'm not standing for this. Teague what? is Teague is so much better than Brent Forbes. I at just what at basketball. This what this was basketball defense. Uh, maybe offense. Offense too. No offense too. Dribble. Brent Forbes was a train wreck. I'm serious. So a Teague. train wreck. No, Teague had three plays that were good. He had some really bad ones, right? Brid Forbes did not have three good plays. There was the pass to Tucker in the corner, which was actually one of the best passes the books made in the first half by Teague. He did make a really nice tree as well. There was another play that I've now forgotten, which isn't helping my point. It's not helping my point. But the sirens are gone. That's for Brid Forbes. And Teague. No, I... Why does Teague, he try to drive look, Teague is not he good. He can't do it. He can't do it. While looking no, the, the actual the, the problem with Teague, the problem with Teague driving into traffic is he really bizarrely keeps slamming on the brakes to make a decision instead of making the decision in motion. And I don't know what yeah. that's about. As a point guard, I know he's older. I know he's slower. I know he's just really not very good anymore. But the pass he made to Tucker again, which is I feel like no one talks about, is maybe the best books pass of the game, aside from Giannis inside the pass. Yeah, like, that's a great pass. Th- that was really good. And he f- he got inside and he found penetration. He made a quicker decision. It's when he gets in and he just like, oh, there's three guys, and I'm gonna stop and think about it. It's like, what are you doing? You can't stop and think about it. Now, Bryn Forbes, Bryn Forbes took the worst shot I've ever seen an NBA player take tonight. It was awful. Ever can I just seen. say, can I just say, on its face, this is the most objectively hilarious conversation we have ever had. We are talking about who was worse between Jeff Teague it's and the finals. in an NBA Finals game. It's the finals. <laughs> this is why it matters together. so much. They played together. They played together. Yeah, that was did. minutes. We said this earlier. The one thing they can't do is play together. And <laughs> the first time they both see the floor, they basically come in arm in arm. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't that, believe it. Can we just talk Red about Rover, the Red shot Rover, for like Sam, 20 Sam minutes? Rover. I just cannot believe he made, was it just before? No, it was just after. It was just after. He'd made one triple and I tweeted, okay, this would be a really good time, Brent Forbes, to just yeah. catch fire. Jordan made a joke. Two minutes later, if even that, catches the ball, open tree. Great. Shoot it. No, I'm going to drive it. Okay, you're gonna drive it. Go to the rim, please. Oh no, I don't want to go to the rim. I'm gonna stop terrified. I'm gonna pull up. I'm gonna go. You know what? I I used to like watching Dirk Nowitzki, so I'm gonna go on a one-legged fadeaway here. It's kind of a push shot at the same time. It was the worst decision I've seen any book make. Any book make in terms of shot selection. And my God, I've seen some bad ones over the years. And the execution of it was terrible. And then two minutes later, they run the really, really slick 
after timeout play with the dribble handoff and he buries a train in the corner. And you're like, just what is wrong with you? Just do that. That's why? it. That's why did you? Oh, he's, better, he's better moving. He's better moving away from the hoop than moving towards it. The thing By with far. it is when, yeah. when he made that play and this whole stretch of the game, which Rowan's point is right. It's like, it is absurd. We're talking about this in the finals game, but this was in the stretch where they were closing the gap. And if he doesn't make a mess of that play and say he knocks down a tree, I think it would have gone back to nine points then and they were moving yes. with real momentum at that time. Instead, it goes down the other way. He he trapped someone or he tried to trap someone. He made a mess of it. They scored straight off that too, which is what led to the timeout that he then got a play run for. It, it's just, it is so, so frustrating. Like you mentioned frustrating off the bat. There's nothing more frustrating for me than that because you can talk about like, Chris Paul making great shots over Bobby Portis. Jordan is like I'm just, looking at the I'm looking at the play by play. It would have been a it was a wasn't it seven at one point? They were down by 10 and he got right off the three-point line. So if he had just shot it, it could have been like a seven-point game. Was it seven after he made the three? I know they got it down to seven at one point. They got no, I seven. think it was seven a little bit earlier. Yeah, seven sixteen after Giannis put it back. Oh, and um, then they gave the wide open three to Devin Booker. Yeah, three point mm-hmm. defense was a mess in this in transition and semi transition and on. Oh and yeah, out. like it was. It was all the predictable. It ironically, it wasn't like the half court or like the stuff that we usually see with the Bucks, like historically. But it was just, it was honestly out of the players. They yeah, they just lost guys that you just can't lose. Yeah, it wasn't schematic. It was like oh, we forgot about. Devin Booker. Cam Johnson, like oh. the leading three-point shooter in the playoffs, practically. 49% <laughs> on from the from the corner, I think. Yeah. He's really good. Yes, I, I was is. thinking of that in that game. Remember when he was a punchline when he was picked? And I, I'm almost certain I would have laughed at that pick. Everyone laughed at that pick. I'd say draft grades like from all around the NBA are pretty fun to look at for that pick now. He's really good. We got a really good reaction from Kobe White, though. The wow. Wow. <laughs> he was picked up. I'm remembering that right, correct? Yeah, I think you are. Right. Okay, I'd, cool. I'd forgotten it, but I think Because he right. was picked 11th. I was writing about him as like a 30th overall pick. <laughs> it's like pre-profile in the best. The, the fun thing about the Suns, I will say, they went against a lot of conventional wisdom, and it burned them a lot, like, they drafted Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris in the same year. Shouts to future Bucks legend and former Herd legend Dragon Bender. But God, um, but I've forgotten. Never. Uh, but there's literally there's still people in my mentions to this day who go, Do you think is there a roster spot for Dragon next year? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Um Yeah, the same one that's there for Christian Wood. <laughs> um, but they drafted all the guys they wanted, and the eight and pick. I, I don't think anyone gives that much of a damn about Luca anymore because he's so good on this team. Obviously, Booker, Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, and you pick up campaign off the scrap heap. Like, this is maybe even more than the Bucks. Just like we collected a lot of really great talent and like put the right couple vets. Jay Crowder, obviously, Chris Paul has been huge, but it's it's a cool story. And it's like it's it's cool to see a team succeed this way, honestly. It's not as cool when they kick the Bucks' ass. I kick the Bucks' ass is extreme. But um, I, so we talked about frustration. And Adam, you wanted, you wanted to pick a bone about my the Bucks are unserious tweet for their performance in this game. 
we, there's so much conversation about the defense. There's going to continue to be, and it's important. But the offense was what killed me in this game. I thought after all the strong execution against, at least in the wins against Atlanta, pick and rolls, some off-ball stuff, getting to the rim, the Bucks just went back to that early Brooklyn mode of like force one switch way out on the perimeter and then try and hunt that guy for several minutes and the Suns don't throw many, if any bad defenders campaign is very small. Booker one-on-one is not really that bad. The one that killed me. And I think drew and Chris, Chris got hot late, but early drew and Chris were both pretty bad. Drew did not get much better offensively. Drew was just flat out. Bad. Drew was just bad, but I think it plays into their badness that like, that was so many of their possessions, especially earlier. It was like, we're going to force one switch just try and cook this guy. And Drew especially is taking some really ill-advised pull-up jumpers. And it's like you see him bully, not bully, but get physical with Aiton right there and get him off of him enough to get a layup in. And the, the one time he took Chris Paul too, and it's just like it's so easy the for him. one possession before that, the Aiton one, is like an 18-foot pull-up jumper early in the shot clock. There were so many early in the shot clock pull-up jumpers. There's just no need. Aiton's is a much better – Paint deterrent, ah, probably he's much better paint deterrent than Capella. I think Capella's defense is different areas that he's good at, but he has the size. Yeah, uh-huh. he's he's just more imposing. There was yeah. room there to score more around the basket, and I know they missed bunnies, and maybe that is a reaction. I don't know. It shouldn't have been. They didn't. They didn't get all their bunnies blocked. They just missed a lot of bunnies, and then they just didn't go inside enough. So that's why I say. Call the Bucks unserious. And I thought that was what was frustrating because that's, I think, as much as going to drop, which didn't work and they should avoid it for long stretches. I think a lot of that third quarter run is just like their offense stalled for so long and Phoenix is getting transitioned and semi-transition looks and they just had all the momentum. And I think shot makers like Booker and Paul, they're going to make shots if you let the game play into their hands like that. And that's when the Bucks lost the game. The defensive adjustment was not good, but offensively, they just weren't good enough. I mean, they never scored 30 in a quarter. They had 49 at half, and they only scored 27 in the third quarter. Like, you're not going to win scoring 23 to 27 points per quarter against the Suns. They're too good offensively. I mean, the offense is 100% where the game was lost up until some resistance in the fourth quarter, the offensive rating was like rooted around 93 to 95 for most of the game. You're not going to win a game with that. It's that simple. Uh, Defensive rating wasn't exactly what you want to see, but it was a lot closer to it than the offensive rating was to what you'd hope to see on that end. I don't like unserious. I don't like the connotations of it because I think it's just flat out dumb. I think the books were dumb. It's that simple. So it's there's, semantics. I don't think it, there's arguing. such there's such a difference between the two things that I don't like. Unserious is like that they just cruised out there and we're like, oh yeah, yeah, it's fine. Unserious implies like Who oh cares? they're laissez faire about it. Don't that was that was not it at all. Forbes takes a one leg. That's, that's laissez faire. Brent Forbes is completely unserious. I have no problem with you calling Brent Forbes unserious. He was out there. He was. He was way too far out there for my liking. <laughs> Drew Holiday, also, though. Also, I, Drew Holiday was, was making. Possession. Go on. Chris Middleton 
with the laziest post-up of Chris Paul. Oh, yeah. Leaving the ball right in front of him. That is a guy. And again, it was one of these like, that's not a mismatch. Like, don't. Oh, thankfully, we got Chris on CP3 21 feet from the basket. Let's just post up for a whole possession. And he's just leaving it right in front of him. It's like. If there's one thing that you don't want to do, he to just forgot guy. who he's playing against. Which that that is Which like is unserious. Like right. this is the fourth quarter. That was I think it might have been back to back offensive possessions. Was that post up and the Forbes shot? And that's when I tweeted it because it's a close game, and those are the two possessions you come up with. Like you just can't do that. And the Bucks continue to do that, and then win series. And in the tweet, I said they could still win the series. It's not it's not over. But that was just a very frustrating lack of acuity to me is it my turn sure <laughs> um i i still i still will push back on it i'm not i'm saying there aren't moments in there where you're like what are they doing but i think more than that drew to me was most guilty of it going back to the first half the spacing was bad that's on everyone okay that's on guys just ball watching on offense too at times and just kind of floating towards oh let's Let's go downhill. That wasn't there for them. Drew kept driving into bodies and not really doing anything about it. He's just he, he not lifting his head up, not looking up. The amount of times Middleton was bad in the first half and kind of bad all around. But I, I think the books were to blame for that. And I think Drew, in spite of the fact he finished with nine assists, which is you know pretty tidy in a box score, there were a lot of times where Drew had just Middleton, say, one pass away maybe two passes they away chris so many times oh and they just didn't do it it's like have they are they aware of just how hot chris middleton has been recently and how even in this game he's playing terribly and then just oh look right okay he's here again like you just cannot miss those chances to get chris the ball right now because he's gonna make more of them than he's gonna miss like if you find him and he gets those quality looks and that to me is just dumb and that is really where I think the majority of the offense from the first half, certainly into the third quarter. Yeah, there are moments. This is another, Rohan's really enjoying this, but this is another, we're having, we had Bryn Forbes versus Teague as one argument. Now we're having Dumb versus Unserious. So are we really as optimistic as we might like to think we are? I don't know. But I just think there was a lot there where brain disengaged rather than you know, Chris, sure. Chris is getting the ball snatched from by Chris Paul. That's taking also, your foot off the gas. The That's lob, switching off. The lob into Aiton's face was tough. Finally, they tried to th- they didn't throw many lobs in this game, but that lob attempt to Giannis, that was like, oh, yeah. It was just like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen, pal. I don't know if you must be used to Clint Capella. I can tell, but <laughs> not over here. <laughs> not over here. Should we settle on middle ground that the offense was just bad? Can, is that, is that about, and, yet, so, and yet they shot their most efficient three-point performance. So, oh, Will we get tough. to that? That's tough. How about what, leaving, what if they could leaving, do what if they can do that again though? Leaving food on the table. That's what I went with. Are we first. sure? I no, I said what if. I didn't say they can. Like I've watched the books before. I'm not I they had a lot of catch and shoot opportunities. I mean, you mentioned all the ones that missed a Middleton, like Portis was getting good looks. I mean, Forbes had some that he just didn't take. Uh, Drew Holiday's decision-making between like when he is going to shoot a three 
AKA like off the dribble when I'm not open versus when he's not going to take a three, AKA, Oh, catch and shoot elbow pretty open. Let's put this down and run into somebody. Um, Everything was strong armed for Drew, Drew tonight, right? I mean, that's yeah. certainly the ones that stick out in my memory. All of them were long. So that's, that's kind of saying something, I guess, about his mindset or maybe nerves. Like maybe I mean, that's also all the team missed bunnies. I thought could have had something to do with that. It was also to kind of nerves. I mean, Brim Forbes kind of encapsulated that by going on to the free throw line, and they had four players. <laughs> like Van like, Gundy's life. Yeah, he's like, oh, too many players on the line. Do that. You can't. I was like, too many players. I thought there was like six and five. Like there's a. Yeah, it looked like college. I was like, "Wait, what are we watching? Is this what is going on here?" Yeah, but no. I mean, the offense is always the kind of we're always going to have our problems with it. Also, I think the the kind of this is where bringing Giannis after games five and six against the Hawks is kind of where it's it's going to affect Drew. It's going to affect in how he penetrates the paint drives, all that stuff. It affects how Brooke is going to be kind of like that outlet that we saw obviously in game five when he, you know, put down 33 points or something like that. Um, Bobby too, like that. Well, itself I, is it a- is telling, right? Because this, this takes us back to where we were around his previous four fourteen drew in the Brooklyn series game tree, as Ron pointed out, where we had the conversation of like, does he, have they actually meshed? Like, does he know what he's supposed to do when everyone's out there? Like, it does it does change things for Brooke, Giannis being back too. But Brooke was able to figure that out, you know? Brooke was the leading scorer for the books by quite a comfortable margin when he was in the game. And then he sat there and watched others kind of zoom past him on that. But Drew, yeah, that's that's a tough one. But at the same time, a lot of it is he's taking then jump shots that We've seen him oh be really inconsistent with it anyway. Like, we have seen the good games and we've seen the bad games, and there's just no in between. He's not just going to make like 40% of them, 35% of them. It's, it's really all or nothing. And that's kind of been his playoff story in terms of shooting. Yeah. Uh, you're bringing back memories with that game three pod. What, a, what an experience it's been. <laughs> that's an all timer right there. Um, I guess we can sort of lead into this. What do you guys want to see different? I know we've seen a lot of what's what's really went wrong here in game one. Give me give me two things you guys want to see change for Milwaukee in game two. I'd like to see more free throws. <laughs> I was wondering when we would get here. I, I'm I'm not even there's obviously I don't think the whistle is in the book's favor, but it's kind of to be expected. One, you're on the road. Two the two star players and their their style of play, you're going to be dealing with a lot of that. It was actually quite good and maybe good for the series too, that Booker got called on that, that kick where he was dangling his leg because if that goes the other way, you know, Chris Paul's going to get you on that. Booker's going to, I mean, Chris Paul did try a bit of that and ultimately ended up with Brooke closing out in the flagrant. Which is a flagrant, but it's yeah. He, she it's, cro- when Brooke crossed the arc, I was like, I can't argue this at all. But it, it's yeah. it's gonna be you're gonna have that if they're gonna keep dangling their legs. Like that is we're gonna see that a whole lot of times in this series, and there's gonna be some that aren't, some that are. That was a flagrant, not by the greatest margin, but the reason doesn't matter. Once you, as you said, once you cross the line, it's like that's it. You can't argue, yeah. 
Um, but I mean, Giannis having 12 free throw attempts is pretty encouraging because he didn't get anything. You know, there was there wasn't a whole lot of benefit of the doubt going his way. It doesn't feel like he was getting calls. That was just what was calling. Jordan. I will. Do you disagree? I will say Eight this. Those were in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Okay. That's where I, I kind of get it's. I don't have a problem with Aiden being in the fourth quarter. I mean, I'd love to see him have. Did he have twenty attempts in the first game of the season? I'm probably the person who best remembers this because I watched it earlier. Twenty-one. There, our Jordan just is like Rain Man. I don't know. Um, Sean Kemp. <laughs> the the issue. You know Sean me, Kemp, and you don't know Mark Barry. <laughs> don't get me started on that again. Bryn <laughs> Forbes got, you know, he got a hard run of it, mostly because Rowan got me wound up before the podcast. The issue Where, for me for the officiating was Chris getting none because he definitely, oh gosh, he yeah, definitely he was getting contacted. With especially within the arc, and that's the one that's why I haven't been as hard as him. He didn't play well. The alley oop attempt was absolute trash, but like he should have been getting to the line, and I think that unlocks his game a ton more because then I think he's feeling better about putting the ball down and driving in a way that you know, and he's not getting calls. It's just it's hard for anyone, but especially Chris, who it doesn't have the tightest handle. If he's also getting the benefit of the doubt on zero calls within the arc, I think it just made it really tough for him. So that's the one thing. Like, to, sorry, to, to that point, like his game would look, his game, like stat line looks better than Devin Booker outside of the yeah. free throws. The free throws really boosted Devin Booker's game tonight. And, Chris and Paul was the guy who beat the books, not Devin Booker. Yeah, that's not, that's not a shade to Devin Booker at all. He's a great player, all that stuff. But like, there wouldn't, if Chris had gotten some of the calls that Devin Booker got, um, I don't think we'd be looking at Chris's performance as like, you know, it was not great, but it was also like he was doing everything to keep them in it. Devin Booker was doing stuff to, you know, torment the Bucks, but it was also Chris Paul that was just magnificent, you know, after kind of feeling feel out in the first quarter. Do we want yeah. some Giannis quotes? Giannis is talking. Oh, sure. Um, I mean, there's not a lot to go here, but it is just again, just wow, Giannis is amazing. I guess it's the the subject we can spin off to. And this this, this is, game has plenty is, of those moments. This is the first we've heard from him since the yeah, injury, exactly. Right? Yeah. So uh, this is from uh, Jim Azarski of the Journal Sentinel. Giannis said he thought he wrecked everything in his knee in Atlanta. Christ. Which, yeah, you're not alone, Giannis. Uh, as for tonight, he said several times he felt no pain versus the Suns. He said he can't predict how he'll be tomorrow, but expects to feel better in game two. That would be good. Oh, one thing good. He's not a human being. No, he's not. Like, no, not and particularly if even he felt like he wrecked everything in his knee. How and do a week you feel later, no pain in that knee? Oh, I think that's obvious BS. But yeah. it is nice yeah. that in the final. No, that oh, is because we all we all saw yeah, he, him feel pain. So that's I thought you were going to say, oh, that's obviously something. that We saw that too. Um Extra rest in some of these games is nice. Only one off day before game two, but then you get two before game three. Is it two again before game three? It's three between games three and four and games four and five. Oh, so that I get beautiful. Well, two rest days and on the third day to play. Yeah. So you're both right and wrong, depending what way you want to go with that. What what are we doing here? (laughs) This is the semantics episode. 
There's more rest. The Bucks get Giannis especially gets more rest, which is which is going to be huge. Um, you know what I thought was weird in this game? Everything. And I think I understand it because <laughs> that that shot of CP3 where they're going to commercial and CP3 is just constantly smiling for ten seconds. I'm like, when is his face going to change? What is going on here? He's a very just, weird person. He's a very <laughs> different breed. Um, yeah. No, here's what I thought was weird. It was when Bud before the game, and they finally show Bud talking in the locker room. He's like, go out there and be random. And it's like, if that's not the most booting. what he game, said? Yeah. I, I I didn't believe it. I think I they like, lived up to, they did. to billing. Brent Forbes took said, that to heart. Brent yeah. Forbes said, Boy, coach, you know what? Okay. <laughs> what I thought was weird um, in a more meaningful sense was – Forbes out there and PJ not out there for so long in the small ball lineup. I just thought it was very interesting. I think it was just, you know, trying to shoot them back in the game. But all playoffs, the Bucks have went offense over defense when given the option. AKA they've always PJ's always started, PJ's always closed. I mean, game six against Atlanta, he does end up making a crucial three, but his offense was so bad and he wasn't as crucial defensively. That seemed like a okay, let's try Pat or maybe I think Portis was already in, but like an offensive option, but basically anyone else. And he's, the Bucks still didn't. I thought it was strange that, if, I mean, PJ eventually is out there, but he only finishes with 33 minutes. There was a pretty long stretch where it was Forbes over him. I didn't expect that. I don't, I didn't like it. And I didn't expect it. Well, part of that just being down 18. Because, yeah. 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 But you got to shoot your way back into that's, it. That's, that's, that's it entirely. Bad. But, yeah, he is bad. I agree, Ty. I don't know if you've noticed. But PJ Tucker also had a better offensive game than he has yes. had. He's one of the few guys who didn't just miss everything he looked at inside. And he did make a corner. Oh, he did. As well. He did miss like two of them. He, yeah, missed, yeah, he, he yeah. missed a couple, but not everything but he looked at. You also at. don't expect him to make those. He was yes. more confused driving to the lane than when Kyle Korver was dribbling a basketball, and that's saying something. Like when he is inside the three point arc and like on a drive, he's like, Oh God! What what am I supposed to do he's here? He's like, it's like he's he learned how, it's like he learned how to do this on the internet and is doing it in practice for the first time ever. It's like, okay, I think I'm supposed to go like this. I'm supposed to put the ball here. It's like that sort of thing happens, and then he just miss. It's so bizarre to see PJ Tucker try to make like a floater. It's just, it's funny. That's what I'll say. It's very funny. By the way, um, speaking of things that are weird, to Adam's point of. It felt like Bobby played more than he did. He only played 14 minutes. Yeah, I just, I honestly, I thought it was a minus 10 during that stretch. There's something really weird about that third quarter. Yeah, it was like the snapshot in motion of like the weight of it all felt more than. And it, it, yeah, and it was also they were going to the same thing. It was the, the point of the game where the Suns are like, oh, we can just run this over and over again. And it was happening. And I just started to lose all kind of hold on time and space. Yeah, much and like Bobby Portis did, and that's why I think it's weird that we saw Forbes again in this game because that was also the, only played twelve minutes. Again, felt like a ton. When <laughs> exactly, I don't know. T, well, it's, it was because it was weird because he plays in the first quarter and then he doesn't play again until yeah. he plays very meaningful minutes in the fourth quarter. And you know, you, you say that when they were down eleven, he's still in there when they're down ten and they're down seven, and then like. They're, then they're down by more than seven again because of Bryn Forbes. And I think one of the things that I'll be more interested in than 
I think Lopez is going to have to play more than this game. I just think I've been saying it all postseason. He's too good. The rest of the team isn't good enough. You need to figure it out. But they had a three of five Brook game from deep. Yeah. And they sat him on the bench. I didn't like how many of his shots came from three, though. No, I I didn't like it either. But but it was one of those nights where. Yeah, he made them. It was good. But he wasn't just making them, though. They were all swishes. Like, yeah. Brook has this not very often, but on the (laughs) nights where he really kind of is feeling it from deep, like, you've got to go to that and you've got to trust in that. That was a weird thing, particularly when they're. When they're uh, chasing the game like they were to be like, no, no, we don't want your points inside. We don't want your points outside. We want whatever Bryn's given us. What what I was going to say before is like the Bucks always offered a weak link to Phoenix outside of when they played the starters, which wasn't very often. But like Phoenix showed their hand, right? Like this is what they're going to do on offense. They're going to get the switch that they think is the best one and go after it. That's why I didn't understand. I wouldn't have done it initially, especially when you get it down to single digits. Get Forbes out of there immediately and make that guy be like either Pat or Brooke, which it doesn't sound great, but it sounds a whole lot better than Portis or certainly Forbes or Teague. Like make it make that less beneficial for the Suns. And I just thought between Portis and Forbes and Teague, especially in the minutes that really mattered, or between dropping, which is just not going to work for prolonged spells, especially when both of the top guys are out there. The Bucks just kept making it very easy for Phoenix to make the most out of that strategy. Like, this is a game where I think PJ has a lot of utility, if only to be like, there's another spot where if they engineer that switch, we're fine with it. I also think the Bucks need to be more selective with how they switch. Like, they like there's a lot of like Phoenix soft switches that Phoenix runs some pretty lazy screens sometimes and the Bucks yep. are like well Forbes on CP or uh, Portis on C or God Lopez on CP3 there's nothing we can do about it it's like well you mean you could have like like varied like you could have not you really could have not like at least make them make you switch and if nothing else I forget who tweeted I mean, it's, it's at It's me. the type of switches, Adam. You just yeah. got it. It's like soft switches versus like I don't know how to describe it. Besides like smother Sorry. switching. Yeah, realistically, like that. Yeah, you can do what the Bucks were doing, and it's like any sort of on-ball action, even if it's like half-assed. Like okay, we're just gonna we're just gonna bring a screener here, see what happens, sort of thing. And it's like oh, I guess we're switching the matchups, which is what you were saying, Ty. Or it's like if that sort of action occurs, and you're trying to like. If Phoenix wasn't even doing this, but if they're trying to slip those screens immediately, which they, that's another thing they could do, which they didn't utilize enough of based on these soft switches from Milwaukee, is just don't switch unless there's a hard screen. Like it's not rocket science, realistically. Especially, uh, just quickly, Rowan, I want to let you keep going, but Adam, you mentioned earlier, they don't shoot that many pull up threes. Like that's not, and Booker is not, you look at the numbers. He's not a great three-point shooter, period. And he missed the second one in a row in the fourth quarter after he does make the one wide open. He has another wide open shot, and he could have probably ended the game right there, and he doesn't make it. It's just one shot, but he's especially not a very good – He was one of eight from deep. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very bad, but he's not like – you can afford to to soft switch and and make him earn the switch. And if he's going to pull up all the time, it's kind of like Trey Young where you're just like, okay, that works. Well, that's the books did a much better job of fighting 
switches against the Hawks. Even when Trey Young was out and it was like Lou Williams. Yeah. You w- they wouldn't just give the switch as easy as that. And often, I mean, I know it's something that's kind of a staple of what the, the Suns do, but you weren't seeing quite as much. I certainly didn't feel like of just kind of multiple screens, which is something the Hawks did in a couple of games. And yet I thought the books really showed some kind of tenacity to fight through that and be like, no, no, we're not just settling for this and letting you play the, the game on your terms. I mean, the, the other thing that I I was thinking about even when right back at the start when Jordan was talking about the drop, I wonder did they just get this the wrong way around? If you want to play some drop, I think you've got to start drop. Yeah. Because if the switch has failed you... <laughs> And guys have already made shots. It's a really bold move to then say, oh, well, now we're actually going to see the space to you. Like, and that's ultimately what they did. If you want to drop, I think you've got to drop from the beginning. I mean, we talked a little bit about this on uh, winning six, Jordan. Like, I, I was very much of switch one through four and let Brooke, let Brooke try to drop. And if they're going to force him into actions, you live with it. You're then say, okay, you have full go-ahead to go and switch that. You know what I mean? Trust Brooke to be the quarterback of the defense, which he is. Trust him to basically call the plays, play to play. And I think they just could have done more with that if it was reversed. I think starting switching, I didn't have a problem with it. I thought they were getting some pretty good stuff out of it. They were hanging in there. The Suns are making tough shots, but that ultimately did die off. It got messy, though, when they started to mix a match and they're going back and forth. It's like when you go through a rough spell with the switch, that is not the time to then go drop and be like, you know what? You were making that when you had a defender in your face. Yeah, maybe it's not the the ideal primary defender we want, but now we're just going to concede the space to you and say, yeah, go on, try and make that mid-range jumper. So I thought that was a a weird element, too. And if they want to mix a match, I'd consider looking at how they start and maybe pivoting with that. It was an overreaction to the tough shots that were being made. Like, cause mm-hmm. realistically we've talked about this already, but that's the type of shot you want to give up is a contested mid ranger that takes the entirety of the shot clock. Like, because that's what Phoenix was, they were hunting for it and they were getting those shots. But in the grand scheme of things, that's not going to work out well for them. They if were... it's the entire shot clock is just taking a contested two. It's just they were making all of those shots, and Milwaukee was like, oh, shit, I guess we got to change this up a little bit. The worst part is they weren't. Booker and Chris Paul were combined 8 for 19 from the field in the first half of this game, and yet they also combined for 8 assists because even before they went to the drop, the Bucks are seriously overreacting and getting uh-huh. getting twitchy and going, oh, we need to go. It Literally, and I know I invoke this comp all the time, but I'll just never forget it the way they defended Kawhi in the 2019 series was like every, and they, the, the Raptors didn't even look for switches. Like they were just like, well, Kawhi is just going to go get a bucket. Kawhi was great, but like make him actually beat you before you just go, well, we got to send whoever Bledsoe from FVV and let him shoot a bunch of wide open shots. It's like, it's really hard to win a series. If it's like, a lot of mid-range shots over and over. You can you win a game. Wild. You can win a quarter. You're not going to win a series just by doing that. And I think everyone knows it. And that's why that the mid-range is dead. It's not dead. It's just not sustainable over a series. But all these open looks from three are. 
Ty, you saying that is bringing PTSD from the actual series and binge the books. Yeah, it's doubled up for us mm-hmm. now. We shouldn't have done that, but no, oh, we really shouldn't. I can't wait for binge the books. Can I join for binge the books? No, we're not. Uh, doing if they win, we'll do it. But oh wow, well, that's come on, Ty. That's fair no, no. stuff. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm saying that too. If they win, we're doing it. If they don't, we're not. I'm basically only only asking because I had a sabbatical at the start of the season. It's called post-blogger burnout. <laughs> and, you know, there's some stuff I missed that maybe I'd be like, oh, yeah, cool. That was interesting. I was watching DJ Augustin Minutes Decay, and I was like, wow, this is funny. You know, so I don't, I don't I was, know what else could be. I was on my Instagram to today, and I saw DJ in. Wilson and Christian Wood hanging out on vacation. I was like, oh, this is fun. Oh, good for them. <laughs> Waiting for the rings to arrive, hopefully. Well, not see Wood, but maybe DJ Wilson. There's a player that has only been mentioned in passing, and we've been mentioning him a lot um, for kind of jokey reasons now, which isn't quite fair because he's playing very well. But I thought Pat was really solid again, yeah. and that's quite encouraging too, particularly when they found something going to Giannis at the five. Because yeah, Bryn Forbes is out there, and you know, just trying to make that work is tough. And if Pat's not playing well, trying to make that work is actually impossible. How like, is yeah. Pat credited with zero turnovers? That's wrong. I don't think I don't think he actually. Mm. There was that one where he drove into a crowded. Yeah. That I don't know if he ended up getting it because it might have been they gave Milwaukee the ball and then it led to some dumb decision or play after. Felt or like something. he had three turnovers. <laughs> the fact that they won his minutes is wild. That's I don't think it is because he winner. was there with the. Yeah, that's at the five where they really yeah. did get something yeah, going. I that's mean, the thing. they won and the fourth quarter. <laughs> 28 and a half minutes. Like, as much as those Bobby and Brimner, it's felt like an eternity. He, he's played a lot of minutes. And to your point, Adam, like, again, if this series, if I don't think this will happen again, but if this series is oh played out in terms of like the Bucks playing super small. Is Pat going to play 48 minutes? Like, is he going to pull Kevin Durant in the net series? <laughs> Raise it. Like, <laughs> Raise B to Pat C. Is Pat going to pull a Kevin Durant? Just like, there is context that's important there. But as a sentence, that's incredible. It would sure be nice. Um, <laughs> he, should, he should probably be playing more than 28 minutes in this game. Like, now I know the thing with that is. Maybe he shouldn't because if Brooks just not playing 23 minutes and those minutes get kind of adjusted to where they should be, well, then some of the less desirable minutes down the line kind of fall away. But based on just how reliable he's been, again, it's about just finding a way for stuff to work. It's not always pretty. This is the Milwaukee book story, though. This is the story of this playoff run. It's not always pretty, but it's like what's effective and that again goes back to the defense. It again goes to they're going to make tough shots, but I think you can let them have a lot of those shots, and you'll still be right there to win the game if you just take care of your own business. And they didn't do that. Like maybe we should get into some of the things because we talked at the start, you know, the positives. I think we've got into some of them in passing, but maybe we can group some together so that we feel better and people listening feel better. They played a finals game where Bryn Forbes and Jeff Teague played a combined 21 and a half minutes and didn't lose by 40 plus. That's a positive. I'd say just not losing by 40 plus is a positive. Also, a po- two positives. Giannis playing after he said he thought he wrecked his knee. I think there's more. This is not going how I want it. I think there's actual real 
positives and we're now making this like we have to create fake positives. Yana's plus one in 35 minutes with 20 points and 17 rebounds. That's a positive. The fact that it was a winnable game in the fourth quarter with the way the Bucks played Big in the positive. third quarter yes. is like Phoenix is quite good. They're going to win games if the Bucks play like that for sure. And I think even if the Bucks play well, they can win. I think this should have been a very easy Phoenix win. And the Suns people and national people will say like, oh, the, the threes, the free throw disparity, though, I think Phoenix should have crushed. You know, well, another positive is we have NBA players tweeting about the Bucks. Oh, well, well, I've I've got stuff for that. We can get to that if we want, or we can just leave it. It might be of best. Kareem Abdul Drummond. Well, it's not just him; they're all tweeting. All the players. Well, no, no, CJ no, no. McCollum These are good is tweeting. These are good oh really? Things. Yeah. Oh. oh. Uh, Chris uh, at Chris twenty two so like at Chris Middleton deserves more recognition, and then someone replies, "Right!" Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Can you guess these players? No, of course not. <laughs> Number one, the first player who tweeted the Chris Middleton praise is Andre Drummond. Oh, God. <laughs> well, that's just discredited. The person who replied is Thonmaker, <laughs> who's not even oh, an NBA player. You sold us a false bill of goods on these tweets. Andre I mean, Baker. I saw LeBron's tweet, and uh, what did that one say? was expected. Oh, LeBron's just full CP3 oh, cheerleader mode. It was like yeah. one down, three to go. At also CP3. loves Booker. So yeah, it's a, that's not, okay. But Drummond had lots of other tweets, including Suns in four. So I don't even know if we can put Drummond in the positive category. Let's not talk about Andre Drummond. That That's honestly worse than talking about Bryn Forbes and Jeff Teague. But yeah, for a lot of reasons. Okay, okay but, back to positives. Yes. Back to positives, I said. <laughs> um... 44.4% from the field. Yeah. Or from three-point three. range, 16 to 36. Like, I know the book's kind of reaction to this is to be like, they wasted their shooting game. But maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't. It would be better if they could just do this more often. So doing it once is a start. That's- Chris was supplied five of those too. So nearly a third. Yeah, that's kind of what you'd expect out of a much less successful three-point shooting performance for the Bucks. Well, only one one book was below 50%. Every book that played attempted a tree. The only one who wasn't at least 50% was Drew Holiday, who was 04. Classic. Kind of what you'd expect. Which yeah. that, Middleton the, was 41%. Yeah. Sorry, he was. He was 5 of 12. Oh. I was looking. I, I basically zoned out of Middleton because I just saw five. And I was like, that's good. Uh, so you are correct. He is it just is below. Good. It is good. But above 40%, 40% I'm not going to fight yeah. about anyway. No. Um, but yeah, we can adjust to 40% if Rowan wants. I've no problem with that. <laughs> Points in the paint. The books lost this by two. I actually think this is a positive. I would be a lot more concerned if the books had won the points in the paint battle here. They've just got to make some of those tips. And they need to keep going there. I think they, like, they shied away from it. The offensive glass is there for them, as we knew. And I actually don't think Aiton has to be off the floor for it to be there for them. Like, he grabs a lot of rebounds. I think he's getting too much credit as a rebounder, though, because his teammates just are terrible at rebounding. Well, like he's, even he's the only guy who can get one. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's the same him getting 19 rebounds as Giannis getting 19 rebounds when Giannis has to fight with someone like Pat Connaughton. If Pat Connaughton was on the Suns, he'd have, like, 12 rebounds a game. Like that's that's something that I wasn't quite prepared for. 
is that I, I think the glass is always a big opportunity for the books, but I really think it's there for them. So the glass is it's it's half full. Yes. Of DeAndre wow. Aiden's rebounds. It was I mean, they need to go for yeah, they need to go for those like Urson style tippins, but it actually oh boy, that might have a new meaning. They, they, uh, they, they need they to actually... go for those, like... <laughs> um let's keep going quickly. They lost a lot of those tip rebounds that they had been getting for a lot of the playoffs. Like there were a couple that PJ had that just the Suns have more energy in this game. And I think part of it is the rest disadvantage. <laughs> I think part of it is just they weren't working hard enough. And I think the Bucks lost a lot of life in that third quarter uh, and just got disheartened by all the shot making. But I thought the Bucks lost a lot of 50-50 balls, more than 50% uh, of the balls. But I did think it was funny, like the TNT crew was like, or not TNT, ABC crew was like, is Aiden with number 17? And it's like, yeah, the ball bounces and like it's him standing next to Mikhail Bridges who just walks away and he just. Or camp- he just like, I will say campaign had a good box. They like pointed out campaign yeah. having a good box. Out. They're like, he did. Aiden did it again. <laughs> it's like, like the ball literally it's, it's, it's Drummond rebounds. I mean, Drummond is better, but like Drummond just racks up these crazy numbers because a he's tall and B he shoots forty percent at the rim, so every time he misses, he just grabs it again. It's another rebound. Aiden's not like that, but um, no. Aiden's a good, good rebounder, a really good interior player. I actually think the worst part about switching for the Bucks was not what the guards did. It was that they weren't equipped to handle Aiden on the backside. Like they didn't get between him on the rim. They didn't flop enough. There wasn't enough big guy help. Like that to me was the bigger issue about the switching. I just like to say Rohan is going to be fined and suspended from the podcast for that. That's he's he's still recovering, hiding in shame. I hope, bro. I have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't. Yeah, hear it live. that's I'm for the best. Back. I can't. Oh wait. well, yeah. <laughs> I think let's I not encourage it. people to go back and check the tape. Let's keep moving. Okay, so can we go back and answer the question I asked like a million years ago that no one ever answered? Well, was, it? Adam, was it good? Adam gave one answer. What should we see? But then in someone game did two? answer it. Oh, well, you did. You gave me one half of it. To so change, like, we, what, yes. what, what do we want to see change? Drew yes. Holiday having a good game? Yeah, he was terrible. I mean, I, I don't want to say like <laughs> the differences in one player because I don't think that was necessarily the case here. Um, but I think Drew just being more respectful, just kind of. And that I we I messaged Adam during halftime. It's like you couldn't get a good read on him in the first half, and it just never changed. Like he was kind of just for someone that's kind of always has this like feel of being poised and composed and all that stuff. Even when he's like playing terribly, he just didn't have a feel for the game at all. And I know he had nine assists and three turnovers, but like. Again, something that felt like more than he actually had. I felt like every turnover led to like it was a, definitely a live ball turnover and just easy buckets for the Suns. Um, yeah, I, I think seeing a better Drew game, I think seeing Brooke just actually play. I don't think the Bucks are not going to win this series if Brooke Lopez plays twenty three minutes. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Um, Drew also six of those assists were first half, so only oh, three across yeah. the last two quarters. Um, for me, I want to see like just better offense. And I think one of the things I, I thought about was 
A, they just didn't go to the paint enough. Again, maybe it was the Miss Bunnies. They had to, they just have to be there more. That's how they win games. Like they, it'd be great if the shots f- fell every game in this series. Maybe they will, but I mean, look at this game. They the shots fell and they didn't win. This team is they're big. It's a big team. They they need to score in the paint. They need to dominate the paint. But also like they need more off ball movement. Like you mentioned earlier, yes. Adam, the Pat Connaughton pass from Giannis. Like Drew needs to be better, but. Maybe like let's get someone else moving around when Drew is driving, aside from his pick and roll partner, if even that player was moving. Like that's Pat maybe is the best at Dante was also pretty good at this. Is like finding the right space, even when there is, you know, Drew and another big in there. Cut and get to the rim. And or at least like if Brooke is cutting in, into the rim, like behind the play a little bit, maybe you just have more oomph on the offensive glass, and that helps. Like I thought the Bucks were not moving enough. They were stagnant. They weren't getting to the rim. They weren't making enough of their trips to the rim. So I just need to see more scoring in that painted area. Also, way less Tegan Forbes. Like 20-plus minutes combined is just way too many for those guys. I think it was a feel-out game. I think Bud's trying to figure out his reserve guard platoon. Is that also – would would we agree that's also based on how they were going to manage Giannis too just because – yeah. Sure. You know? Yeah. If he if he's playing forty two minutes, that's seven minutes gone immediately. Yeah. Um. And then Brooke, obviously, seeing his minutes curtailed, is where Bryn got some more minutes too. So it's those two. I mean, it's Giannis and Brooke not playing their own minutes. It is also, I would suspect, both those guys had some moments in the regular season against the Suns. I mentioned this earlier. Like they they had good games, and I would guess there was a. Just an element of, oh, let's see, is that just a thing? Or, and yeah, they got the or kind of um, <laughs> answer for five from deep combined. They won Teague's minutes. They won Teague's minutes. I, I really, there was really bad stuff in the Teague minutes, but I, I do, I will stick to there was some good stuff. I'm not saying yeah. Teague is good. I'm not saying to play Teague, but I do think there was a marked difference in what Teague brought to this game than Forbes. Now, Rowan's point is, 100% if we're talking about this and this is something really important what are we even talking about but to go back to something you said I actually meant to bring this up on the, the pregame on YouTube when I was watching those games earlier I was really struck by I don't think the Suns are good at defending movement like I don't think basically any of them because Chris Paul is one old and slow now Devin Booker just does not look comfortable with it. I don't think DeAndre Ayton is good at it. So in those regular season games, when the books just start to whip passes around and when you have guys constantly cutting, it opens up in a hurry. Like, I really think that's something I would just try and pass and move this team to death. 21 assists on 40 made field goals and 16 of those being threes seems very low. Like, I'm not saying the Bucs are a good three-point shooting team you know, off the bounce, especially Chris. And we saw Drew during the regular season playoffs has been a different story. That's super low. That's super low. That that should not be happening. And I know like kind of resorts to ISO ball and all that stuff, but like that kind of shows you that it felt like a lot of the offensive problems was guys trying to do it themselves rather than, you know, involving actions or trying to get teammates to play two-man game. Like, obviously, like, that Giannis assist to Pat was kind of the, you know, the outlier to everything else that we saw. I, I just – I 
there has to be more movement. There has to be a little bit, make the ball zip a little bit better to make free up this offense because historically that's always been the problem for the Bucks in the postseason. They really need it. They really need something to free up this offense because we've been talking ad nauseum about how how trapped it really looks. Uh, even though the Suns aren't really a trapping team, huh? Basketball pun. Uh, well, needs work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I could think of two assists to Bucks within the arc on the top of my head. The lob to Giannis. Actually, no, that one, he got fouled. The Giannis's yeah. pass to Pat is the one I can think of. Did Giannis catch a lob? It there was, he did. There was the, the, the leak out from Brooke that Drew hit him early oh, yeah, on. Leak outs. They got, so they got leak outs. In they got it early and then it kind of yeah. went. I was like, why are you not doing that over and over? Well, maybe in part didn't. because I think Brooke, the Suns, Brooke, well, Brooke also didn't play for most yeah. of the second half. And he yeah. was the guy who was getting ahead of the play and doing that because Aiton just was not interested in getting back. Like, yeah. maybe go that some more. And also, there was a couple of times where I felt like, you know, I saw Chris do it once, but also Drew kind of two or three times. It wasn't with Brooke. It might have been with Giannis once where they're looking and it's like, yeah, I'm not sure on that pass. If the pass is there, make the pass. You know, there's there's ugly turnovers in other other areas. But if there's like low hanging fruit, quick two points possibly there, I don't mind that risk. You know, not every possession, but a couple of times per game when it's clearly something that was there for them compared to some of the other things, like just driving into traffic and then losing the ball there. It did mess it up at least one time I can remember. I think it was a Drew Holiday at one yeah, pass Drew once, I think, where Giannis was sealed underneath, I want to mm-hmm. say. It was, it was Giannis or Bobby. And uh, he, he lofted it too high. And yeah. the Suns had time to like double team that and just recover. So you just, you got to be smart about it realistically. Um, but yeah, I echo everything you guys have said. It's just... There's got to be a lot more movement on the offensive end. You got to stick with your guns defensively, see what happens. You got to shorten the rotation a little bit. But other than that, I think we all can agree that we're feeling decently optimistic about the Bucks' chances in this series. Still, we got a lot of good things, as Adam wanted us to focus on, because there were good things to glean from this uh, game one of the NBA Finals. I'm not going to make you guys do score predictions. I hope you're happy. Well, let's let's just talk about series, like where we're at series. Because, for example, I picked books in seven, as you did, Rowan. I know you were books in six. Slash, there was a bit of hedging in there. Ty, I noticed you dropped books in seven a couple of times too. What? Um, I think I did once. On um, I, I, books in six is my call. Still okay. For me, this is a take care of home court series. I, I thought, and you know, still not impossible that they could grab one of the first two, but I don't have a problem if they just win all their home games and we get to a game seven, particularly considering this team has become the, oh yeah, we're just going to close this out in the road team, which is not something I expected, but something I touched on on winning six, like the pressure for a home team in a finals game seven, not to be underestimated. And when the Bucks have shown an ability to come up big on the road in closeout games, if that's the position they ended up in, I, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. And to get there, you can lose. You can lose badly again in game two. Don't think they necessarily will, but you've got to win your home games. And with that in mind, like this is where the game won. And for all that was bad, I, I don't think this is the end of the world. I really don't. 
I just it's it feels like a missed opportunity with the way Phoenix shot and how close it was late despite how the Bucks played. But I certainly agree. But I think if you don't get game two, then game then Bucks and seven is like that's the only real way for. I can't see the Bucks taking four straight against Phoenix. That feels overly optimistic. I mean, uh, I can see the that Raptors would, taking four straight against the Bucks in twenty nineteen. I was just thinking about that series. True, I, but I, I don't also see the magic adjustment that allows Milwaukee. No, to do for that. sure. I, I'm yeah. I'm being facetious. I don't really believe it. That would be like, did someone get hurt? Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I, Chris Paul had something. He it looked like he jammed his left well, his, hand or finger. Has a ligament like tear. Yeah, and his right hand with. too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he has. He's. I mean, he's. This is kind of what his like rap he's prepping is. for a boxing fight. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, the other thing Mayweather too, was there tonight, right? Was he? I, th- I think he was behind the behind one of the hoops. I saw Devin Booker go over. He was at one of the uh, Bucks Hawks games as well. He Floyd Mayweather likes to spend money. I mean, he goes to basketball he has, he has a lot of it. Yeah, uh, he's got a lot to spend. Floyd, if you're listening. He's I, not. I don't know. I don't know. Well, Floyd, if you're listening, hear where I'm sorry. Going with that one. He tapped I, out I, after I, that just untoward joke that Rowan made earlier. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on again. Um, but yeah, I think we're all feeling pretty good. Do we have anything uh, else here? Or should we wrap this up? Well, I did, take the silence. Did Jordan weigh in on series thoughts? And did Rohan? I still I think so. I I still think Bucks and seven. Uh, wait, do we? I don't know if we want to hear from Jordan who picked Suns and seven. I'm so the black sheep of the podcast. Um, no, I think outside of correcting the execution mistakes that they made on both offense and defense, trusting players that got you there. I think that's kind of where I'm going to hit home tonight. Um, yeah, I think that's. I don't know. Still Suns in seven. Or do you feel yeah. better about the Bucs? Yeah, I mean, th- that's the thing about the Suns is that, like, I think you said it earlier where it's like they are just – they are what they are. There is no imagination – what is it? There is no illusion to them. <laughs> illusion. Sure. <laughs> um, they, An illusion to something? I wish it was no imagination. That would be better. But, yeah, yeah. Th- there is no illusion. But they're just, they're just like a complete team. They are from one to eight, one to nine, I guess. They play their way. They don't play any other way, despite this being the second fastest game that they played in terms of pace of the playoffs. Interesting, interesting note. Um, but I just think they are just I, I don't know what else to say about them other than they just are impenetrable at times. It seems like they just they're, play they're their just, game. They're a sound team. They're a really, yeah. really good team. I have <laughs> like ultimate respect. Heading into this, I thought there was a chance that either with Giannis out or first game back, that the Suns would just like buzzsaw the Bucks. Like at home, a lot of energy, a lot of time off. You know, if they shoot well or get to the line, one or the other, and they did one or the other, that, you know, maybe they just, whoa, tear this thing open. And I swore I wouldn't reconsider my take on the series after game one, but I was open to that possibility. Again, the way the Bucks played, especially that third quarter and just offensively throughout. The fact that it was this close, I almost look at the Suns as less dangerous. They'll beat you for sure, but 
they did not overwhelm the Bucks in this game, and I think they they had room to. Um, I think that's exactly it, though. That's they're they're really good. They're really good on both ends, but I don't think they're going to tear you apart with their offense, and I don't think they're going to suffocate you with their defense. They're just going to be completely, you know, they're going to be there on both ends all the time, just good enough that they should keep the scoreboard ticking over. Sometimes that fails on them. That they should just stop you just enough. But I, I don't think it takes a superhuman effort to beat them, but you've got to be on your game all around. You've got to exactly. be good. You don't yes. have to be great. Like, and that's been a problem for the books at times, just to be good on both ends and put a game together. But I think if they can put four of those games together, they they can very easily walk away from the series and the NBA championship. That's the type of uh, optimism we like to see here as we end this uh, post-game one uh, of the NBA Finals episode here on the Eurostep Podcast Network, still a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You know what you, everyone listening here should go do? Leave a five-star review so we have more to read out. Please, come on. There's an, another thing that, just in case you forget, that they should do is they should go and subscribe to the YouTube channel so yes, that thank you. If, if we decide, like, game two, we're doing another one, that people know and they already have done everything they need to do to get it. Same name as the feed on YouTube. Make sure you go subscribe. That is a great call, Adam. Thank you. That was a lot of fun doing that pregame show. Hopefully we can get some some stuff figured out and do it a little bit better so it doesn't just end unexpectedly. But it was still a fun time nonetheless, and we got a lot of good interaction there, so that was great to see. But yeah, hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure you are subscribed on your podcast platform of choice. Leave a five-star review. Like I mentioned earlier, check out all of the content across the Blue Wire Network. Go Bucks! It might be a little... A little somber, but it's still, you know, they're still in the NBA Finals. It's still, it's it's one game, but go Bucks, keep that energy, and we will talk to you next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.